Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited that you're here. Don't forget to review, rate, subscribe if you haven't. We just believe that each episode is just one step further into making your leadership a little more supernatural. So hopefully you've been journeying with us for some time. If you're new on the journey, welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast family. Hope you've had a chance to check out my new school, supernaturalleadership.com. This is taking what we do here to the next level. So please check that out. I know you won't regret it. There's some free content on there. And then directions on how to go a little bit deeper on the leadership journey with us today again as you know that we've been doing for some time now we have been chatting with amazing incredible voices from around the world and uh, amazing chats with special guests who who all represent different spheres of influence different spheres of society and today we're doing part two part two of what we're calling Supernatural Money Mindset with Toyan Crandall. Hope you had a chance to listen to part one. It was powerful. Had so uh, much great feedback from that first episode for part one. But for part two, we're going to dive a little bit deeper and continue on that conversation, which really just felt super juicy when we were on it. So I'm just going to do a little bit of a recap for you, a little bit of a reintroduction of Toyan. For those of you that may be just falling on this episode before you listen to part one. Toyanne Crandall is the host of the Millionaire Money Podcast, a best-selling author, financial coach, international speaker, and the founder of Money Mindset Shift. She has coached thousands of individuals and families, helping them increase their wealth by tens of millions of dollars and pay off millions of dollars of debt while enjoying their lives in the process. And so Toyanne has an amazing coaching business called Toyanne Crandall Coaching. And so Toyanne, welcome back to the podcast. Man, thank you so much for having me back. Honestly, after our last conversation, I want, you know, we talked about it on the last one. We need to do a part two. And when I got the invite, I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> well, I'm super excited to have you back on. And I just want to just to highlight some key things that stood out to me in mm. part one that I've been like just thinking about and I, whether or not you meant it. I love these conversations because some things come out that we don't even pre-plan. We don't think about, they just come out. We know there's like the wisdom of God on these hmm. things that come out, these statements that we make. And, and um, one of the things we were talking about last in part one was breaking these limiting beliefs about yep. our own value, about ourselves, about how we see ourselves, what we feel we're worth, uh, yes. our, you know, just our value in life in general. And we talked about mindsets that you had to break on your yep. supernatural money mindset journey Yep. And one of the mindsets you highlighted really was that you thought money at one point would take you away from God. And we talked about a little bit about that. And you made this statement somewhere in around this context of the conversation. You said this, you said, our subconscious shows us what we are comfortable with. And that really yes. stuck out to me. It's like, you know, we, we, 
we don't realize that these mindsets are buried so deep sometimes until something is given to us. We yes. have a promotion in life. We have some form of success, some big win, or even some big failure or loss. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, these mindsets that maybe we weren't even realizing were there, that were in our subconscious, yep. kind of rear their ugly head. Yep. And they really just kind of release a statement over our lives. Like, this is what you comfortable with this is what you believe about your own life and about your future and and often if we're not careful if they're bad belief systems they can cause us to self-sabotage breakthrough self-sabotage the win in our life and so i want to dive a little bit deeper into some more mindsets that really hold us back yeah from from having the right mindset to break through our limiting beliefs that are really holding our supernatural leadership journey back so let's just dive into a little bit more of that and what what mm. is that? You know, I'm not sure what, if I'm what I'm saying is making sense to you, but no, no, it's making so it. much sense. Like even before I give the first the the next mindset that I want to share with you guys today, guys, I just want you to hear what Sean just said because often it's the patterns in our lives that open our eyes to see what we actually believe. And just like Sean said, like this is so critical. It sounds it sounds. Um, out there to some of you because we're so used to like just keep moving just keep grinding just keep working but it's like if you don't ever pause to take a step back to look at your actual life and look at the patterns and think to yourself what am I actually seeing happen before you keep like just doing the work you're not thinking smart you're you're working hard and you want to do both you do want to work hard but you also want to work smart and the smart way to do things is to assess and review so I hope if you guys are watching part two and you've watched part one I'm really hoping that you did the homework that I gave you last time which was to write down what are the patterns you've noticed in your journey that have been holding you back because those are often clues to the beliefs that you have that are creating the life that you are living today so let's talk about another mindset and guys I want to go into a big one this is a mindset that I have genuinely seen cause a lot of like disappointment like real gut-wrenching disappointment for people Um, And especially for those of us who are believers, who are Christians. So let me share what this mindset is. This mindset is God loves me. So it has to work out. Oh, God loves me. So it has to work out. What do I mean by that? And why is that a a limiting belief? Or why is that a, a, a mindset that doesn't help you? Is it true that God loves you? Absolutely. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He, he, like, he gives us everything. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. It's the truth. Like we live on that truth. However, many believers, because we think God loves me. So he's just going to make it all good. We don't do the work to make things better in partnership with him. So what does this end up creating? This ends up creating people who all their lives were waiting for the breakthrough, waiting for the breakthrough, praying for the breakthrough, expecting the breakthrough, just waiting and waiting. And because what they were imagining was that in the love of God, he would do their 
planning. He would do their business management. He would do their money organizing. He would do their investing. And so you have these people, so many of us guys, like so many of us who are waiting for God to do what God is waiting for us to do. And here's what I want you to understand. Okay. If God loves you, which he does, like we said, he will not do your part. It's almost like if you think about if any of you guys are parents, right? Imagine you have a child and your child doesn't know how to walk because they're a baby. They just, you know, <laughs> came into this world. They haven't learned how to walk and you watch them and they take like the first attempt at walking and they fall flat on their face and they're weeping, they're crying. And you pick that child up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I can't believe that you just fell down. This is never going to happen to you again. And so now this parent carries this child and never lets this child fall again. So the parent protects the child, keeps the child, but it also means that this child is now 17 years old and has never learned how to walk because the parent is carrying them and taking them absolutely everywhere. And if you looked at a child who was like able to learn to walk and the parents specifically did not allow them to practice to the place where at the age of 17 or 30, this parent is still carrying this child everywhere because the parent loves this child and doesn't want them to fall down. You would look at that and you would say that is abuse. Like that is not okay. That's not the way you raise a child. And we expect God to do the same thing. We expect God to see us for some of you, maybe you've gone bankrupt in your past and now you're thinking, okay, well, God's just going to fix my money issues. And all of a sudden it's never going to happen again. And God's looking at you going, look, if you've had to refinance the covered debt, if you've had to earn, like we work with some folks who will earn millions of dollars and then lose millions of dollars. It's like, if you don't take the time to address what's happening yourself, God isn't going to step out of heaven to do that work for you. He yeah. is going to continue to show you through your life circumstance, here's what's really happening. Are you going to wake up now? And I'll be honest, guys, this is one of the biggest things for me that I, I unfortunately <laughs> needed him to, to show me the hard way. Because for so long, I was like, he's just going to fix it. It's just going to get better. He loves me. I know he loves me. It just has to get better. And it wasn't until we literally ran out of food in the fridge. And you guys can listen to part one. But it wasn't until then that I realized, oh, oh, okay. God isn't going to learn how to run a business on my behalf. I have to learn how to run a business because I love God and God loves me and he's given me a business to steward. And if I don't do my part, it's not just magically going to work out. Absolutely. And I think often this is where we miss this, this idea that Jesus is not our laborer. Mm. We are co-laborers with Christ. So there's a cooperative, <laughs> there's a cooperation that goes on. Yes. Our laboring. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like Paul talks about the seed. Paul talks about the water. And yet it's God who brings in who the, brings harvest. the increase. That's right. Cooperation that happens. And whether it's business, whether in any part of society, any part or sphere of influence, whether it's parenting, whether it's family yes. like, and, and anything that we do, we're constantly co-laboring 
yes. with God. And I actually think that it's a poverty mentality to mm. believe that God is just going to do it all and we just get to sit on our couch eating potato yes. chips, watching reality TV and hoping that yep. God's just going to do all of our bidding. Yep. I really believe that everything good in life comes with partnership. Like God desires yes. relationship. Like relationship is a part of par partnership. It's a part of yes. cooperation. And, and if we don't cooperate with God, we don't really have a relationship with God in the thing yes. that we say we feel like we're called to do or be. And, and so let me add to this. Oh my gosh, Sean, because as believers, we're so used to like having that cooperation and that relationship in our spiritual lives, right? So in our spiritual lives, it's natural to be like, oh yeah, I spent time with the Lord and I heard what he was saying and I, and I, and this happened and that happened. And we even expect it sometimes in our health because we're used to like praying for healing over your health and so on. And often we yeah. forget that God actually cares about your workplace, about your career, about your business, about these other areas of life that we sometimes keep God out of like, and we don't do it consciously. We don't do it because we are wanting to keep God out of this area of our lives, but we do it because it's like, God doesn't care about my money. That's actually another uh, mindset belief that I write about in my book. You know, we have this belief that God, I can talk to God about anything except for finances, except for money and things, because God doesn't really care about that. And it's like, if you can understand that relationship is relationship, you know, like the, the day that I remember when we had, unfortunately, we had a, a miscarriage because we had moved seven times in seven months. And by the end of it, I was just exhausted. And the doctor said, you were healthy. The baby was healthy. And it could have just been stress. And I, like, he didn't even need to say that. I knew it was the stress. And I remember sitting in the bed or lying in the bed and just talking to the Lord. And nor before that, I hadn't really talked to God about stuff. Because in my head, we don't talk to God about stuff because stuff isn't spiritual enough. And so I would talk to God about all the spiritual things and I never did. And th this moment, I remember just lying down and being like, Abba, as your daughter, I am asking you that one, we would get another baby and two, we would have our own house. So the reason we had moved seven times in seven months was because we didn't have the financial stability and the property guys could like, they just were super shady and we, we had no, nothing to protect ourselves. So I pray and I say, God, I am asking you for a, a house with stability that is our own. And I'm asking you for another baby. And if possible, and this is me just talking to Jesus, like a daughter, you're like, if possible, I'd like the house and then the baby so that the baby comes into this air environment of stability. We already had a daughter at that point. And with it, like to me, it was an impossibility, guys. <laughs> like at that point, you have to remember, we had just finished moving all these times. And at that point, we were still homeless, but we were squatting in someone else's house. And I'm in this other woman's bedroom praying this prayer and I'm like however long it takes Jesus if it takes five years seven years I don't know how long and by that next year by the next year guys I walked we walked as a family into our new house that we owned first time ever in our lives and I had a baby a month after so I was like eight or I was nine months because evidently in pregnancy, there's this extra month they never tell you about. But I was like nine, eight and a half, nine <laughs> months pregnant. 
And 30 days later in this new home, we have our second child. And I remember like when, because the, the judgment that I used to have was I can't talk to God about stuff. If I'm talking, and I remember even when I set the goal of getting the house, a friend of mine actually said to me, Toyin, I love the giver, not the gift. And if you're talking to him about this house so much, then maybe you've fallen in love with the gift and not the giver. And I just remember talking to the Lord and being like, God, am I off for asking you about this? Like, is it okay? Cause I am open. If I'm wrong, like, I'm like, Jesus, correct me. And he said to me, you're my daughter. Like, you're my daughter. What kind of a dad would I be if you went through everything you went through and there was no permission for you to say to a father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, hey, daddy, could, could, could I get this house and be in a place of financial stability? But here's the thing. Here's now you've heard the miracle, right? The miracle was we had the house and then we had the baby. Everything happened within a year. But here's where we now tie it back to what we were just saying. It wasn't just the house showed up. Me and my husband needed to do very practical things in business, in bringing value to the world, in saving. Guys, even in, I was debt-free. I'll share just one small practical example for you guys. We had been, my husband had never had debt. I was debt-free. We tried to get a house within that year and we thought we're perfect. We're like, we're debt-free. Like we are your prime people. And they said to us, actually, you don't have any debt. You don't have any credit history for the last however many years. You can't get a house. So what did I need to do? Learn. Okay, what do y'all need me to do? Get two credit cards, do this, do this. Action, 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 action. And then we step in the house. And many believers, we hear stories like this and all we hear is, I, I lost the baby, I was in the bed, I prayed and asked God for the miracle, and a year later, I got the miracle. And we think that that's just how it always happens. We hear someone say, I got a $50,000 raise. And I, this is so funny because this happens with my clients all the time, right? They come into our program and one guy had a $20 million launch or uh, another person would have a $90,000 raise in his career. And people see them posting like the celebration, like, oh my gosh, Jesus came through and this happened. But what they don't see is that that person actually joined a coaching program to learn how to ask for a raise <laughs> and how to get a better job or how to sell and, and launch something without any distractions. And then they saw the miracles happen. So it's not that you can't see miracles because miracles, God wants to shower us with his presence and in his presence, anything is possible, Absolutely. but you need to be willing to accept that you have a part to play because it is co-partnership. Sean, I love the frame that you brought on that. And like what we're talking about really, because you mentioned it earlier, was the two things that were really mindsets that were limiting is the power of trust and really asking for help. And yes. I kind of touched on that already a little bit on the power of trust factor. Um, I have a very similar story, actually. We moved seven times in one year. Wow. And on the seventh time, by the seventh move, we had already had two miscarriages. Hmm. And you get, you get used to... Um, surviving you get yes. used to a mindset of surviving the israelites yep. got used to a mindset of wilderness living where yes. they had to just rely on barely enough like they had to yep. rely on just enough to get by they 
They, they, at one point, all they knew now, a whole generation was born into the wilderness. All they knew was wilderness living. And yes. when that's all you know, after a while, it's actually hard to break out of that mindset. There's like yes. a lot of things that you have to actually, like you're saying, do. Like you have to do stuff yep. to break out of the mindset. You yep. know, and I think that you're talking about that. You're talking about, you know, trusting God with more than just saying, God, you're going to take care of me. Trusting God with the fact that I can't be idle as a person. Yes. I have to do, I have to do some practical things. I got to get credit so that the bank can see that I'm houseworthy. I got to. Exactly. It was very similar with us as well. You know, you, you get used to, I don't, and it's not to me to be an attack, but just as a way of framing what I want to say is that like, it almost feels like a missionary mindset. Oh yeah. Where <laughs> you're, you're like, you're just relying on enough to get by to yep. do the thing that God's called you to do. And yep. I think that's great. Like one attribute of God's character is he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. That's right. But a whole other side of him is he's also El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. And to get to the side of God Woo. of more than enough, you have yes. to swing from yes. surviving to yes. thriving. And the only way you do that is by moving forward. The only way that's you do right. that is to think bigger to think better and to yep. deal with some of these limiting belief systems that say, I will always barely get by. I exactly. will always just survive. Like exactly. I am called to thrive. Solomon, the richest man, according to scripture and the time that he lived was the richest man that had ever lived. And he, if you read in Ecclesiastes, you break down the Greek word actually had seven to eight streams of income. And he mm. talked about spreading his bread upon the waters because he didn't know which ship was going to make it through the storm. Yes, that's so right. He, he and of course he was rich and of course he inherited his dad's wealth, but he in that he had a mindset of prosperity in that he mm -hmm. knew that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to throw seed here, throw seed here because these ships would go out. Yeah. with grain and hey, some of these ships may never come back. It's like your yep. return on investment. It may never get there. Exactly. So you got to prepare yourself. You got to be practical. Don't yes. just like have a faith. Yes. A practical action. Yes. And, so then, and, and then we move into asking for help. So what does that mean? Like, what's the mindset of asking for help that you, you want to really dive into? Hey, everyone, before we continue on with this interview, I have some exciting news to share with you. The Supernatural Leadership School is now live. The platform has been launched with our very first e-course called The Voice of God Module. I would encourage you head over to SupernaturalLeadership.com and sign up today and begin a brand new Supernatural Leadership journey. So, so here's the, so just to continue from what you just said. Solomon's putting out these ships and there's these different ways that he's trying to invest in. For many of us, there's different strategies for building wealth. And what I often say to people is strategy actually matters. Like your strategy matters. If you have the best mindset in the world and you are, you're able to receive and you're ready to receive and all of that good stuff, but you don't actually know how to scale or you don't actually know how to, to ask for the raise, or you don't actually know how to do the practical of these pieces, it, the best mindset in the world isn't gonna actually get you the outcome you're looking for. And this is one of the things I have learned. It's one of the biggest lessons I learned in scaling and building and going from homeless to having 11 streams of income today is 
ask for help. So previously, and this is another kind of like, so I came out of like full-time ministry. I'm, I still believe I'm in full-time ministry. Now I just run a business ministry. Absolutely. But I was doing full-time ministry. And one of my biggest inspirations um, was this, this mindset or this belief. And I remember so many people that I, I, I looked up to that had it, which was, I don't ask people for help. I ask God for help, right? So I pray and then God can talk to man. And then, and then I'll receive whatever it is I need. And that was a big part of my ministry journey where I never asked for help and I would always pray and then, and, and miracles would happen and somebody would step up and give this amount or things like that. Not all the time, but it did happen. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, this is amazing in those moments, but I never would remember all the other moments where you know, you pray, you have this, this project you want to launch and you end up not launching it because you genuinely didn't have the funds for it. And I just remember when I was stepping into business and the Lord is checking me on all the money mindsets. And he said to me this, so I, I had asked him, what are my false beliefs about money? And he had me write down, you have to ask God and you can't ask men. And I remember when I wrote it down, I was like, um, Abba, this is not a false belief. This is true. Like, <laughs> I was ready to go to that. Like, I was like, this is, no, I am supposed to only ask you and, and you talk to people. Man, Sean, he sent me to the, he's like, let's, let's get in the word. Let's talk about this. And I remember he sent me to the book of Esther first. And he said, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but all of you guys know Esther fasted. She prayed, but then what did she do? She asked the king that her people would not be killed. So he goes, first of all, she didn't pray and say, you, G, you God, talk to King Ahasuerus and, and set my people free. She prayed, she fasted, then she spoke up to the king who is a man. Great. Then he leads me to Nehemiah because he's like, you need to, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. So he leads me to Nehemiah. And in the book of Nehemiah, the king sees that Nehemiah is sad. And the king says, what's wrong? And Nehemiah says, the gates are broken down. Everything's broken. And he's in sorrow over it. And the king says, what do you want? And Nehemiah doesn't say, well, you just, pause, you know, it's okay. It'll be fine. And then go pray in secret and say, God, tell the king that I need to go back to Jerusalem. Nope. The Bible says the king asked, Nehemiah responded. I would like to go back to Jerusalem. Not only that, Nehemiah later on comes back to the king and says, I would like to ask for an excursion, like for you to send with us uh, escorts through this journey so we don't have things stolen and da, da, da. So he asked and he received. And then the last one was Joseph. Joseph was in the prison with the, the chief butler and the chief baker, and he tells them the dream. And he tells this butler, you're going to get back into Pharaoh's house. And he says, when you get there, remember me. He didn't just pray and say, God, I really helped him. And I pray that he would remember me. He said, remember me because I was put here unjustly. And that is what helped the butler when he's in front of Pharaoh to Oh my gosh, I've seen the great sin. I forgot to remind, to remember, to talk about Joseph to Pharaoh. So why am I saying all of this guys? Because we often are waiting. And this is what I used to do. I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to teach me what he has already taught many people in human history to teach me all over again from scratch because me and him are so tight. And he is looking at me and going, it is humility 
to ask for help. It is humility to go to someone who has been where you are and has overcome that challenge. It is humility to lean on the body, to lean on another human being and to say, hey, I haven't figured it all out. I need help. And so it's not just a place of asking for help in the actual finances, but it's a place of asking for help in, in the wealth of wisdom. You know, Solomon talked about how he wanted, when, when he was given the throne, what was his biggest desire? It wasn't riches. It wasn't the money. It wasn't just give me the money, Jesus. It was God, give me wisdom. And the Lord, like he has so worked with me where once I saw my shift, like creating money mindset shifts and that process of not having enough and, and the actual neuroscience process that we walk our clients through, that came from like me and Holy Spirit. But a lot of the things around it that led to that moment were the fact that I was in these rooms with people who were hectomillionaires and opened the, my eyes to see what I wasn't seeing. Because the truth is, guys, you don't know what you don't know. You think, like Sean was saying, when we live in that wilderness mentality, we genuinely think this is the only way life goes. And it's until you get in these relationships and you get in these rooms and you get with these mentors that you start learning what supernatural leadership actually looks like when you haven't yet been there. That's when you start learning what supernatural finances actually look like. Like it's when you humble yourself enough to learn and to ask that you can grow. And I find that this is one of the most difficult things, Sean, I'll be honest. Um, one of the most difficult parts of of our growth journey is, is learning where humility steps in. And it's not just me and Jesus will figure everything out, but it's, I need the body. I need to learn. I don't have all the answers and I don't need to recreate the wheel to do that. I can just read a book. I can just ask a question and actually get help. That's actually going to show me how to solve this problem. Lily, I think that's amazing because Jesus, I mean, he modeled this in the garden. He said, That's would right. you watch and pray? He was literally, in a sense, asking for help. Yes. I can't bury, I can't carry this burden. I can't drink this cup on my own. Like, would you guys yes. just support me? Yes. And I mean, even God incarnate in, hmm. in the man, Jesus asked yep. for human help. help. Like three times. Mind blowing. mind blowing. Yeah. Three times. Mind hmm. blowing. And I think if he did it, of course, we're going to do it. But you know, Jesus also modeled at 12 years old when he was in the temple in Luke chapter two, he modeled learning, sitting, yes, listening and asking questions. questions. And God himself as a 12 year old boy. Yes. Asking questions to the religious teachers yes. of the day. And I think that's like a huge, huge stepping stone for everybody out there. I get with people that are with you know, amazing leaders from around the world. And I watch them and it's like, they don't ask questions and it blows my mind. Like you're in yes. the room with somebody right now yes. that could take you higher and you don't think to ask a question. I know that for some people, like I'm a question guy. I'm always asking mm -hmm. questions. Um, I know that for some people, it maybe feels like they don't want to be invasive. They mm -hmm. don't want to be a burden. I know a lot of people that feel that way, but in the end, we have to move past that. I would rather be interpreted as invasive yep. Yep. and, and miss it 
yep. and, and, and or sometimes get it at the potential of missing it and be considered invasive. Cause then I'm going to, exactly. I'm going to come out and I, I could honestly say like what you just said is so true. Like the best experiences that I've had in my life, yep. whether it's been in a ministry context, a leadership context, in any context where I feel like I've stepped up into a new level mm. was always because I put myself in a situation where I was in the right room with That's the right, right people, but That's I had right. to actually get there. Somehow. Get there. I had to get there. I had to get there. <laughs> And that's the thing. It's like if you want to if you want to take your leadership to the next level, you got to be in the room. You yes. got to get into the room with the people that will help take you to the next level because wisdom is found in the counsel of many. And if yes. you want to acquire this wisdom, I mean, Solomon, the richest man, but also the wisest man. He carried mm -hmm. wisdom. He was the richest and yet wisest. He was he was the one who asked for wisdom instead of riches. And he even said, like, if you want to walk. If you want to be wise, walk with the wise. He said, "Listen, he wisdom said, is found in the council of many. So be he in said, the room. Um, a man who isolates himself seeks his own harm. Like when you isolate yourself and you think I'm going to figure this out on my own. Okay. Let, and you, he's like, you seek your own harm. It's like you are running into a wall intentionally over and over and over again in that isolation. Absolutely. And I, I think we can glean so much from this. I mean, we the power of trusting God in our laboring process. Yes. That we are a co-laborer with him and he's not just the one doing it all for us. Yes, he's finished it. And we're not yes. promoting works to be to, yes. for salvation or but we're not promoting idleness in what we do in life. James, That's the right. most practical book of the Bible, made it very clear faith without practical works. application is lifeless. Yes. And so yes. there is an aspect, if you really believe what you say you believe, yeah. you will get into the room with the people and that you believe will take you up and exactly. you will ask the right questions. If you really believe faith will produce something like real yes. faith will always bring you into the experience of whatever it is that you say you believe. That's exactly right. If it's a principle in the mind, it won't get you there. Like the, the father who said, I believe help my unbelief help my what unbelief. He was. I have a principle of like, I, I principally know that this is right, but mm -hmm. I don't really believe here enough to position myself to partner to with you, Jesus, yes. to see it actually happen. And so yep. a lot of us are like the father of the demon possessed child yep. that, you know, we're just struggling to take it from principle to, to actuality, to like to yes. actual faith that moves mountains, the actual Come faith on. that takes action. Yeah. So I, I love this. I think we, we need more of this in our life. And and I think asking for help is huge. Asking for help, man, like it's just it, it, I think that this is where this conversation mm. is so important and powerful because you're an example of that. I mean, so yep. many of us out there are examples of that, but you're an example of that where you stepped up your leadership. You heard in part one, all those that are listening, Toyanne's journey of like her mindset she was breaking, reached out. And got coaching, got help yep. to take her to the next level. Now she's doing the same for yep. so many others. And yet the journey for Toyan doesn't stop. It's she's Oh still my gosh, I forgot to say that. And one of the things I wanted to say was ever since I saw the value of getting someone else to see into my process and give me feedback for the last, I think, four and a half years to five years, I have had nonstop coaching in my life. I am a neuroscience coach. I have a mindset coach. 
I have a business coach. I have a sales coach. I have coaches. Why? Because I've understood. And I remember the very first time uh, me and my husband got a coach that was like, it was like a good investment. And I remember just both of us being like, <sighs> when we were making that investment and I said to my hubby, I'm like, babe, and in fact, the first time was when we didn't have food. We got our first coach. And back then I said to him, if we don't have food, it's proof that it's not working <laughs> because if it was working, we would have food. So instead of getting like, we had to ask for help. Literally, we had to ask our friends and family for financial help to get a coach. So we got wow. a coach instead of food because wow. we understood this is the, there's a deeper problem than the external symptoms. So that was the first time. But I remember the second time, you know, making this big investment into our, into me and into my business. And I'm talking to my hubby and we were both like taking that collective breath, like, okay, we're going to do this thing. And I remember him just saying to me and, and me or me saying, and who knows who said, who said it, but it was, I'm going to 10 times this. This investment we're making right now, it is into me and I'm going to 10 times this thing. And it was funny because like the next year, I remember investing literally a mortgage amount. Okay. Like a, a, over six figures investment into this, this process for myself. So just so you know how serious I am when I say this, I'm not saying this as like a nilly willy nilly, like this is how serious I am. This is also why we scaled so quickly, but I remember making this mortgage sized investment. And this time, like I talked to my hubby and he was just like, you're, I said it the first time, the second time he's like, you're going to 10 times it. That was my first multi-million dollar year oh, wow. was so when I made that investment. So basically the subliminal messaging here is if you want to find coaching, pray and fast, don't eat because <laughs> you won't be able to afford food until you get the coaching. Exactly. So then you can <laughs> the fasting just comes with it. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I, I think, you know, big risks always equal big reward. Um, yes. Big sacrifice always, you know, moves us into successful moments. And I think, oh that's my gosh, let me, I want to share one more. I'm just going to give yeah. y'all some gold. Okay. So I was in the room last week after our podcast with some of my billionaire mentors. And one of them said something that I, I just want to share in the context of this conversation. He was talking about being decisive and being a risk taker. And I'm just going to add this side note. There is no millionaires, multi-millionaires, hectomillionaires, or billionaires. I have ever met who did not take risks. Zero. I've met zero millionaires who didn't take a risk and walk in faith by taking action based on what, like what Sean was saying. So now what this guy says to us last week was, if you already know a hundred percent of what you need to make that decision, you're already too late. Say that again. He Go said, if, if you already know if you already have, if you had to get a hundred percent of what you needed to make any decision, you're already too late in making that decision. Because he was saying by the time, like the people who wait for like, I need all the pieces to make sense and blah, 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 blah. Those are the people who never make the decision. And so they stay in those cycles over and over and over oh, again, because they're waiting for circumstance and all the things to tell them and give them permission to actually invest in themselves or take a risk. And this guy was just like, if you already have hundred percent of the information you need before you start, before you make a decision, you're already too late. Other people have passed you. It's done. That's so good. And that's, it was, 
that's so convicting on so many levels because so much of what we do, it's like even marriage. Yeah. So many people are counseling them in pre-marriage. It, mm-hmm. They say, well, I want all my, maybe they don't use this language, but I want all my ducks in a row before I get married. So I got to have the house. I got to have the mm-hmm. car, got to have my school paid off. So they have these long seven year engagements yes, or dating relationships when they know this person is their wife, but they don't yes. want to somehow. And in most cases, you know, they're not even living in the right way. And they're basically acting like they're already married, married so because like, they're waiting so long. Yeah, it, it's crazy. So I'm like, you know, if you know someone's your wife, like make the jump, like, yeah, uh, don't don't procrastinate and wait for perfection, because yeah. the reality of it is your ducks will never all be in a row and exactly die in two years. So like, exactly. <laughs> don't wait. So I think that's great. I think every pioneer has to take the machete. Yes. And literally cut down stuff that's in his way. Yep. As he walks. Yep. He doesn't clear it first, then walks. It's like he's clearing it as he's walking through yes. the forest. I think that we all walk through these symbolic forests in our life. We don't know what's on the other side. We don't know if we're going to make it. We don't know if there's a cliff on the other side. Mm-hmm. The only way we're going to find out is if we take that machete and start clearing and just the start cutting. And move ahead. So just as we close, Toyan, I think two things I want you to share with everybody listening right now, you offer very specific types of coaching. You have yep. a great book, uh, you know, Money Mindset Shift, and they can get it, I'm assuming, on all platforms, Amazon. All platforms, Amazon, it's out but there. Let's talk Money about Mindset what, Shift, Toy and Crandall. Awesome. Let's talk about your um, what, co- what kind of coaching you offer. So you have the financial side. People want to level up, take their mindsets and do a new place. And you also have the business side where you get into That's their right. infrastructure and help them That's scale. Right. So talk about those two things and then we'll give you guys all the links uh, for both of the things that were that Toyan yes. is offering in the description below on the podcast. Yes. So essentially there's two paths that any of you guys who are listening, if any of this has resonated for you, there's two different paths that you can take. So first of all, I'll start with the business arm of things, right? If you are a business owner and you are doing either six figures to seven figures or above, then we have a room for you as a business owner where one, we are going to do everything we've talked about. So what are your money mindset roadblocks? Like we're going to bring all the stuff to the surface and we're going to help you to shift them. But then we also get into that infrastructure. You know, what are the bottlenecks in your business? For example, Simone was one of our clients in this process. And she had she had a, a specific bottleneck in her business. She was able to shift the bottleneck, and within a year, twelve months, she served five times as many clients. She three times her revenue, and she had ten times as much profit. So she increased her profit margin by 10 times. So just saying like, if you're a business owner, you know, and you hear me say this, your profit matters. It's not just enough for you to scale your revenue. But that is a room where we specifically focus on scaling business revenue, clearing the bottleneck so that you are able to multiply. Now, here's the catch with this room without burning yourself out. So we do not believe in like the hustle grind mentality that's out there. It's how do you do this while having the most fun you've ever had in your life, taking time off, enjoying your enjoying everything. So that's the first room. The second room is if you are not a business owner who is doing six to seven figures already, 
So let's say you're a career professional, you're a business owner that's just getting started, um, or you're a service, you're a service provider, just any other type of context, you are able to come into that room. And in this other room, we do a, a different level of this work, but we help you to identify what is holding you back from six or seven figures? What is keeping you in this limited place? What is the plateau for you? And we're able to also help you to shift those things, but also get into the practicals of how do you actually begin to scale what you have in your hand? So just remember, you don't have to be a business owner to be a millionaire, guys. Like you can be a career professional, you can be from any different background, but the strategy looks different for both of those backgrounds. And so that's why we have two different rooms because your ability to scale is a little bit different depending on where you're getting started when you make that decision that you're gonna have that money mindset shift. And so like Sean said, we'll put both links at the bottom of the, the podcast so that you guys are able to actually receive and, and see, like we'll label them or something. You know, One is for the business owners that are six to seven figures. And then the second one is for any of you guys who are either career professionals, business owners, whatever sector, even if you are in the not-for-profit sector, because a lot of y'all are always like, in the not-for-profit, there's no money here, so I can't scale. Whatever sector you're in, you're able to, to put that, uh, to let us know as well. And we'll see whether or not we're fit to help you. Well, thank you so much, Toyan. That's great. I want to encourage everyone listening out there to check out those links, whether it's you want to take your personal leadership to the next level from a financial standpoint, break these mindset or take specifically your business to the next level. All both links will be in the description. Click those links and start a whole new journey. I just believe that you will break some of the limitations that have been holding you back or holding your business back in the past season. Toyan, this conversation has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me, Sean. I I genuinely have enjoyed this, this conversation. That's awesome. So that's part two of our supernatural money mindset chat with Toyan Crandall. Thank you to all the listeners out there and we will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.